many voices, lots of ministry ideas, no shortage, books, seminars, conferences, podcasts, not to mention online, churches that God has used saying, buy our books, do what we did. And everybody has their own ideas of what church should be. Some are helpful, some are not, but altogether they can just be confusing. And in the end, there's really only one voice we need to hear, His. I love 1 Kings 19 because we get a really important tip there. His voice is not in the hurricane wind that breaks the rocks and tears the mountain. His voice is not in the earthquake. His voice is not in the fire. To sum it all up, His voice is not in the noise. His voice is in the quiet place. His low whisper is in the thin silence every time. Sometimes it's soon, sometimes it takes a while, but always through His Word, always speaking wisdom, always confirming direction, always clear and without doubt. Ministry directions, yes. Ministry directions, no. Ministry directions now. Ministry directions wait. Through our personal struggles, our fears, our anxiousness. For me, sitting on the rocks by the ocean alone. I have heard from God more there than anywhere else because all voices are stopped but His. And as I step away from pastoral ministry, these trips won't stop. I need you, oh I need you, every hour I need you. Oh bless me now, my Savior, I come to Thee. Hearing and following God's clear direction. Peter and John are going to the temple. It's in Acts chapter 3. And there's a guy. He's usually at the gate called Beautiful at the temple. We're told that he's lame from birth. He never had use of his ankles and feet. He's begging for alms. And when Peter and John come along, he asks them for alms. Peter says, look at us. And the man looks at them expecting to get money. Peter says, I have no silver or gold. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Takes him by the right hand and immediately his feet and ankles are strengthened. He stood, he began to walk. He entered the temple with Peter and John. It's the text says, walking, leaping, and praising God. And people are saying, wait, 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 wait. Hey, 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 that's the guy. Isn't that the guy from the beautiful gate? Isn't that the guy who begs for alms? He's the alms guy. 
And when they see him walking and leaping, they're filled with wonder and amazement. You think? People gather around. Peter says, why do you stare at us? Do you think this has happened by our own power? He says, no. Jesus, who you delivered, you delivered him over. You denied him. You asked for a murderer in his place. You killed the author of life, and God raised him from the dead. It's faith in his na name that has made this man strong. Peter keeps preaching. The authorities show up. The priests, the captain of the temple, the Sadducees, and Peter and John get arrested. Well, the next day, Annas, the high priest, and the rest of the priestly family, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the rest of the family, they all gather and they put Peter and John in the midst of them. And they ask, by what power or by what name did you do this? I love that it says Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. Good start. And Peter preaches to them, and part of what he says is this, Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel but that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. Two verses later, he continues with this. This is well known. And there is salvation in no, other, no, uh, in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So what does all this have to do with ministry going forward? This message is called Don't Forget. Some observations as the text continues. Don't forget, ministry is a miracle. Of course, the healing of the lame man is a miracle, but so is the preaching and the boldness, and here's why. You know, some theologies want to have dramatic expressions for the presence of, to demonstrate the presence of the Holy Spirit. But listen to this. Here's, here's what is the miracle. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. The sign of the Holy Spirit was their boldness. And the way in which they spoke, they spoke with such authority. And the leaders are amazed. And they noticed two things. They noticed who they were. Uneducated, common men with no capacity on their own to speak the way they were speaking, to speak with the boldness with which they were speaking. And the second thing they noticed was that they had been with Jesus. From the process of God communicating what he wants done in a ministry, to the enabling of his Holy Spirit, to the obedience of his people, 
ministry is a miracle. The minute we think that all we have to do is figure it out, we've lost the plot. Old Testament, Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah has been permitted to come back from exile to look at Jerusalem to see what he could do with it. Jerusalem had been destroyed by the Babylonians, the walls knocked down, the gates burned, all of that. And Nehemiah tours the broken down walls of Jerusalem by night. And chapter 2, verse 11 says, I told no one what God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. It started with God. God says, here's what you do for Jerusalem. And then Nehemiah gathers some leaders and he tells those leaders. And their reaction is a pure Holy Spirit thing. Let us arise and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. God put it in the heart of Nehemiah and then confirmed it with other leaders. Over the years, time and again, we have come forward with ideas for this congregation, things that we felt would move the ministry forward. And in almost every situation, it was met with acceptance and very positive votes. So watch what happens. We continue in Acts chapter 4, verse 14. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, that is beside Peter and John, they had nothing to say in opposition. The miraculous work of God had put them to silence. Because even the skeptics have to admit that when God is at work and God does what only God can do, there's no explaining it. There's no refuting it. Because we are involved in the miracle of ministry. Oh, you go to Disney or Epcot, other parts, the parks, they're all very cool and, and they're all, oh, isn't that nice? But you go to the edge of the Grand Canyon and it takes your breath away. Because we could not create that. That is otherworldly. That is the work of God. For man's work and God's work, there's a definite difference. We plant, we water, but God gives the growth, says 1 Corinthians. Life-changing, eternal life ministry is a miracle. God's Holy Spirit at work. You see, this week I have a candle with me. Every Sunday on a table in my office, there was a candle burning. Sonny and I would pray. We would pray for the presence of God in the service to lead the worship, to enable the preaching, to work in people's lives, that people would feel welcome here, that people would sense a connection with God here. We prayed that every week. And in Scripture, you can do a little bit of study with this. 
flame is symbolic of the presence of God's Holy Spirit. Think of Pentecost. Think of the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. And so every week there was a candle. Our small way of recognizing the Holy Spirit's presence and the need for his presence. Don't forget, ministry is a miracle. Second thing, don't forget that God sets the rules for the miracle. Over the years, we've, we've put our ministry directions and decisions into three categories. So if you can, picture them with me. Over here is biblical truth. Biblical truth provides the bumpers, the guidance. Biblical truth pushes us forward, guides what we do. And biblical truth must never change. We can't say, I'm going to change that. It's not ours to do. Second, here in the middle, we'll put tradition. Tradition are those things that we, that we use phrases like, well, we always, or we do, or we should. Traditions can be good for us in that they provide us some comfort, some stability. But the danger in it is that it can paralyze. Oh, we can't touch that because that's a tradition. The truth of the matter is there are some traditions that can and should change. And we've done a lot of that here. By the way, I should just back up. Where biblical truth is concerned, the danger there is that biblical truth becomes legalism. The danger with tradition is that tradition leads us to paralysis. We can't touch something because someone will say something or this family or that family will get upset. And I've talked about it in other messages, the first message of this series, that one of the real gifts here at Louisville was that leaders had the wisdom to know what could change for the sake of the ministry, what should change, and supported the changing of it. Now over here, so we've got biblical truth, we've got tradition, and over here is culture. Our approach to the culture must change. We can't do what we've always done. Uh, for example, in these days, 
We don't drive with our windows down the way we did back when I was first driving a car because now we have air conditioning. We don't need to drive with windows down to try to get a breath of fresh air into the vehicle. Here's the problem with churches adopting, mirroring the culture. Most churches will say, well, we're just trying to be relevant. We don't become relevant by changing biblical truth. Can become relevant by changing tradition. And we must change. Biblical truth is the only untouchable here. When we try to achieve relevance by changing biblical truth, we get both feet firmly planted in midair, and it's dangerous. Why is that? Well, the culture changes so much. If all we're doing is mirroring, mirroring culture, and it changes so much, it changes all the time, changes year by year, sometimes month to month, we can't be governed by that. We need to be governed by the truth of God. And much of the change that's going on in the culture now is for the sake of rights and preferences. We don't have that freedom. I'm grateful that along the way we got some, uh, God leads us to, led us to some house. Here they are quickly. These were on a, a whiteboard in my office for years. We are a community church, and Louisville is our community. Now, here's the thing about that. It allowed us to say yes to the things that were important in the community, and it allowed us also to say no to everything that wasn't to do with our community, with some exceptions. But it guided the ministry. It gave it focus. We'd be driven by outreach. Don't need to make the case for that. Need to be thinking outreach all the time. Three, we'd be contemporary, blended with traditional in worship. I talked about that early on. There's some great old stuff. There's some poor old stuff. Same thing with the new. We would use a mix and we would be discerning. We would be evangelistic and missional at heart. That's kind of like the outreach thing. We would be change-oriented in approach. And we used phrase like, nobody loses their birthday. We're going to try this and we'll see. And if it doesn't work, then we'll revert. There was always safety, though, to give it a try. We would be in tune with today's culture. Not driven by it, but in tune with it. And there was a phrase. If you want your leadership to matter, lead in the things that matter to God. God sets the rules for the miracles. So the question is, am I willing to place myself under the word of God for the sake of the kingdom? 
my preferences, my whatever. So here's what I would say. Things that God has built into the fabric of Louisville need to continue. How we approach the culture must change, but the other things, some of them can never change. Here to serve, the theology of being here to serve is firmly established here. Jesus says if we're with him, we serve. And the offshoot of that in ministry terms is that the fascination of us serving in the community testifies that we've been with Jesus. Grace must win. When God continues to bring broken, wounded, hurting people to Louisville, they need to be met with grace. So those things that are part of our fabric just need to be part of our fabric. We need to defend that. And let no one convince you otherwise. So in the text, the authority's solution for these two, Peter and John, was that they were going to threaten them. Don't talk about Jesus anymore. Don't tell people that the reason this, for this man's miracle is Jesus raised from the dead. And Peter and John say in, the, in, in what's a, a very famous statement, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we've seen and heard. we got to tell people, and we can't help it. And so as God does miracles, as God directs miracles through our serving and by his grace, we can't let someone talk us out of what happened. I was reading this week about the story of the Odyssey. Ulysses is coming back from the Trojan Wars, and he, in order to get home, he needed to sail past an island where a group of women called the Sirens lived. They sang so beautifully that ships were drawn toward the island, and when they got near the island, there were dangerous rocks, and ships were wrecked, and men were killed. So Ulysses says this, says to the crew, put wax in your ears. I'm going to be tied to the mast of the ship so that I can't jump overboard nor steer the ship toward the island. And with that, they safely sailed past the island. The one man who could hear that siren song was tied so he couldn't respond to it. And the rest had plugged their ears. Louisville, here's the simple message of that illustration. Tie yourselves to the mast of God's grace. Don't let anyone or anything move you away from that. God has made that a part of the fabric of Louisville. What he has given us as clear directions need to continue. Because unless God revokes the orders, those are still the orders. One more thing quickly from the text. Don't forget that ministry is a miracle. Don't forget that God directs the miracle. And don't forget what we're looking for here. 
Verse 21, it's uh, 20 and 21. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. The people were praising God for what had happened. Here's the thing. We are not called to be clever. We're called to be faithful. We're called to be true to who we are and how he has equipped us. And God will use it. And when he does, we will say, God did this. So many times we said at Louisville, he can be the focus or we can be the focus, but we can't both be the focus. So in worship, in the preaching, in our serving, in our directions, tried as hard as we could to make God the focus. A reminder of something else I've said many times. The word glory, kavod, comes from a word that means large, weighty, heavy. To glorify God is to paint a big picture of him. Question. When people consider Louisville's ministry, who is it we want to paint a big picture of? You? Me? All of us together as a people? Ministry is a miracle. And God directs that miracle for his own glory. Don't forget. Soli Deo Gloria. To God be the glory.